out there, I'm Pat Foley, and I want to welcome you to my show, Artbeat Northwest. Each week, we invite people from the art world to talk with us, and this week, Barbara Brotherton, curator of Native Art at Seattle Art Museum, is here. Welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you, Pat. We're happy you could come in. And we're going to be talking about Sam's current exhibit on until September 9th of this year, titled Double Exposure. But before we get started, I want to talk about a couple of events in this area that are very important. The first of which is the Seattle, what I call the Seattle International Art Show, because or Art Fair. And it's on at the uh, Century League Field, and that's this coming week in August 2nd to 5th. And I, you can get a ticket at the door. I mean, if you want to get a discounted ticket, I think the time is probably over. But there are a lot of museums that do have discounted tickets. And there are, I counted, 90 galleries from all over the planet in this exhibit. So if you want to get an idea of where art's going, what the trends are, spend some time at the Seattle Art Fair. And of course, this is in the, you know, in the same genre as the Basel Art Fair and uh, the Big Fair in Miami. And they have these art fairs all over the world. And of course, Seattle, four years ago, started their own art fair. And then also, Village Theater's Festival of New Musicals is on that next weekend, which is August 10th to 12th. I already have my ticket, so you need to get yours. Five new musicals, five parties, one unforgettable weekend. Doesn't that sound good? Five musicals in one week. It's a bit much. But these often end up on Broadway, so experience them in the development stage, and you'll have something to talk about later. You'll say, I already saw that when it was first being developed at Village Theater. We'll be back shortly talking with Barbara Brotherton about double exposure at Seattle Art Museum. Get into the art groove and take a class at Kirkland Art Center from ceramics, painting, printmaking, drawing, Photoshop, collage, and more. You can experiment or refine at the East Side's number one arts learning center. Register now for fall classes starting in September. At Kirkland Art Center, you can express your inner artist or explore a whole new world of creativity. Located in the heart of Kirkland on Market Street in the historic Peter Kirk building, it looks like a castle. Learn more at kirklandartcenter.org. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Art Bead Northwest. We're here talking about double exposure at the Seattle Art Museum with Barbara Brotherton, their curator of Native Art. And Barbara, what does double exposure refer to and why is that important? Ah, that's a good question. And it's one that reminds me how long we took to get there. Um, we had a Native Advisory Committee that we worked with for about a year, and choosing the title was really difficult, and we landed on double exposure because it is a photographic term, and it refers to when two images that are independent of one another come together, they're overlaid upon one another, juxtaposed next to one another, and create a whole different image. And that just seemed to reflect what we wanted to accomplish in the show, to look at the 
A Legacy of Edward S. Curtis in the 20th Century, look at the tremendous work that's being done by contemporary indigenous artists and see where they come together, where those visions connect. Wonderful. Now, what do you have as far as contemporary artists that are in this exhibit? Uh, We have uh, four artists in the exhibit, three of whom made specific work for the show, and another artist that designed our our education space. So Will Wilson uh, is probably the one whose work closest resembles Edward Curtis. He's a photographer, and he's looked at Curtis a lot and thought about Curtis. He's Navajo and the Navajo people were highly anthropologized. So lots was written about them. A lot of images were taken of them. So his work directly responds to Curtis's legacy. In fact, he says, what would Native people have done if they had had Curtis's capability of taking photographs? How would these photographs look different? If they had taken them themselves. Yes, back in the early part of the 20th century. Um, And so from there, he uses a wet plate technique, which is a 19th century technique, and he creates this uh, uh, enormous body of work all over the country. In these photo sessions, he calls critical indigenous photographic exchange. And all of those words are very important to the concept because he's pushing back on Curtis's posing people Um, asking them to wear clothing that may not have been of their tribe, um, having complete control over that relationship between sitter and photography, photographer. So what Will does is he completely blows that up and invites Native people to come to be photographed, to wear what they want to wear, to carry what they want to carry, to present themselves according to their own self-identification, not something that someone else outside the culture is putting on them. And so it begins this big dialogue. It's a wonderful thing to behold. Uh, Will did this at the Seattle Art Museum in November. He brings his uh, darkroom with him. He sensitizes the plates there, you know, very cumbersome, just Mm -hmm. like Curtis enacted in his own work. But he is, and he is also uh, a Native person. Yes. And then these Native people that he's photographing, there's also a bio that goes with it, right? Yes. Um, And so one of the important things is how you identify yourself. And what Curtis often did, which was common of the time, especially uh, by anthropologists who were categorizing Native people is the Curtis photographs usually identify identify people as uh, warriors or maidens or types. Mm -hmm. And Will um, wants a full disclosure of how people um, identify themselves. So Individually. Individually. Not a type. Right. And so that goes with the photo. So, for instance... Uh, Andy Everson, uh, Andy Everson, citizen of the Comox First Nation, um, artist, ceremonialist, great grandson of, you know, and so 
he has this whole way in which he identifies himself that becomes part of the image. So he, so that's a very good contrast. It's a very good contrast, and it calls up the fact that, uh, especially today, Native people can create their own archives of their culture. They don't need other people to do that for them. And they, they did that. I mean, they had oral traditions that uh, kept very important things alive and going, but they didn't have or didn't need to have the kind of uh, visual references that uh, our culture does. And so um, Will is taking that notion of how you identify and putting the agency for that back in the hands of the sitter. So they get to keep the tintype, which is 8 by 10. They get to keep their tintype in exchange for giving Will permission to make a high-resolution scan of it, and then he blows those up to uh, very large-scale photographs. And and that, by the way, is in the exhibition there, very large-scale photographs of uh, today's Native Americans. right. And uh, just as different individuals showing that, you know, their culture and and them, uh, they're not a thing of the past. They're right here, alive and well. And that's a very important message. We are here. Now, how about Tracy Rector? She is a filmmaker, and her films were really interesting. Yeah. um, Tracy is a local person, and so uh, we really wanted to have that flavor uh, in the exhibition, too, and acknowledge the fact that we are on the traditional land of the Coast Salish people. And so Will is Diné, or Navajo, and the other artist, Marianne Nicholson, is Zawadenoch from Vancouver Island. But Tracy, even though she is Choctaw and Cherokee, this is her community here. And she started Longhouse Media several years ago, And one of the amazing things that they do is uh, they go into Native communities and they teach Native youth how to use video cameras so they can tell their own stories. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Gives them a sense of identity, right? It's very powerful work that she's done. She's won a lot of awards and, you know, continues to put the agency for representation back in the hands of the indigenous peoples themselves. And there are two of her films in this. There are actually three. Oh. Um, uh, One of them is a a very touching vignette of a young woman, Lydia Saigo, who was on our advisory committee. She is a museum curator and a gooey duck diver. And um, one can only aspire to those two things. I think I'm stuck just being a museum Curator. I was watching the gooey duck divers <laughs> yeah. in that film. That looks like kind of a hard thing to do. But they say it's a lot easier than getting them, you know, from the sand when the when the tide goes out. Right. right? Yeah. But that film is all about uh, indigenous people continuing to live on the land and respect the land and uh, get sustenance from the land, even though so many are displaced from their traditional homelands. There's those pushes to um, gather indigenous food and um, go back to that kind of a diet and to 
continue to be connected to the landscape. So that's really uh, the the uh, thrust behind um, uh, Tracy's videos. And uh, the second one is this beautiful scenic, uh, what she calls a love poem to the to Mother Earth. And then the third one is a um, virtual reality film about what it's like to be an urban native person. Um, so all three of those are just very powerful perspectives about indigeneity today. So that really adds to it. And then uh, now uh, Marianne Nicholson. Oh, she just does wonderful glass art. Yes. Incredible. And then the shadows that you've got to be there. you got to go to that exhibit because yeah. it really does give you a feeling that uh, you can't capture anywhere. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Um, she is an artist that I've watched for a long time. Um, she is a photographer. She was trained as a photographer. Oh, really? Yeah, and she also has a Ph.D. in linguistics. Um, but she sees the light work, you know, the light combination with the glass right. as an extension of photography. Ah. Um, and so that piece is particularly important and impactful because it's all about, um, in the present day, Native people not having a seat at the table when important decisions about resources are being um, discussed, uh, including the upcoming renegotiation of the Columbia River Treaty between Canada and the United States. That's what that piece is about, about this artery, this important waterway, Nichiwana, that thousands of Native people lived at for millennia. And all these decisions that are being made about the hydroelectric power, the damming, and other things that impact the salmon, and and how Native people are not a part of that conversation. But they're more a part of it today. I know they feel that way, but they are more a part of it today than, say, before the Bolt decision and before there there is a uh, there is more awareness of their rights now than I think I, there's more awareness but the the power relationships are still very asymmetrical and I'm sure that's true. <laughs> yeah, and then the whole notion that they have this whole encyclopedic knowledge that's been passed down to them orally about how you live on the land. Why can't that be brought to bear on these discussions? And that's what Marianne's piece is um reflecting upon. Well, that's great that the um, uh, Native American artists are bringing all of these ideas to the forefront. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just seeing that kind of changes a lot of people's thinking, I think, about the indigenous people. Well, that's, of course, uh, one of our objectives as an art museum um, and we could have had any kind of a Curtis exhibition because he was so prolific. But what we wanted to do was to look at his legacy from today's perspective, and we had to do that with Native voices and Native perspectives. Yeah, and that's great. But listen, it's already time for a break. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more about Edward S. Curtis and what he did. And we're talking here with Barbara Brotherton, Curator of Native Art at Seattle Art Museum. 
and we'll be right back with more on Artbeat Northwest. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Check out Posada, Jose Guadalupe Posada and the Mexican Penny Press. Known as the father of modern Mexican art, Posada is famous for his popular and satirical representations of calaveras or skeletons in lively guises. More at BellevueArts.org. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking about Double Exposure, a show at the Seattle Art Museum with Barbara Brotherton, uh, their curator of Native Art. And we've been talking about the contemporary artists in the museum uh, in this show. And, of course, we want to talk about Curtis, um, Edward Curtis, because his photos, although controversial in some ways, are really stunning. (laughs) So uh, why is he such an important artist and uh, how do you get started? What's his story? (laughs) Oh, boy. His story is very complicated, very interesting. It's sort of an American success story. Um, And he is definitely one of the greatest American photographers there is. That part of his legacy, I think, is very um, firmly established. He um, was born in um, Wisconsin in 1862. So this is the 150th anniversary of his birth, and one of the reasons why we're having the exhibition. He shortly there moved to Minnesota with his uh, family, and when his father's health grew uh, poor, they moved out to Washington Territory and homesteaded in Port Orchard. His father passed away shortly after that, and Edward, who was about 19 at the time, had to take up the responsibility of taking care of his mother and his siblings. So his aspirations to being a photographer had to be put on hold. Um, But just for a few years, he um, made his way to Seattle and um, bought a share in a photography studio. And then shortly after that, in the late 1880s, he's established his own Um, studio right downtown Seattle, and he's photographing the rich and famous of Seattle, which is a real boom town at that time, and uh, making a good living and making a name for himself. That must have been a fun life anyway. So what got him into doing all of this photography of Native peoples, which is what he's really known for? Exactly. That's what he's known for. Um. He encountered Native people, uh, mostly Duwamish people, uh, whose traditional homelands are uh, Seattle, and um, whose chief, Chief Seattle, or Chief Seattle, the city was named after, um, and Chief Seattle's uh, elderly daughter, Kikisobleu, also called Princess Angeline by the locals, refused to move out of the city of Seattle after the treaties put local people on reservations. She must have been a strong woman. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. She was well known in the, in the town. Um, and uh, he uh, encountered her, um, was able to photograph her both in his studio and also down near where she lived on the uh, mudflats um, 
in Elliott Bay. And um, he recognized the importance of photographing Native people in their own environments. So that was sort of the seed of it. And that is about 1895. And, and then he sort of got some backing because he met Theodore Roosevelt. And Theodore Roosevelt was a friend of uh, a multimillionaire at the time. Right. Um, and uh, so he got uh, some backing to do. And then he started traveling all over to Indian nations. Right. right? Um, Curtis was lucky. He was also very smart for someone who only had a fifth grade education uh, and no real photographic training. He was immensely talented, immensely focused. Um, I'm sure a very intelligent person, but he had these, these occasions of good luck. Um, in 1898, he, he rescued some stranded party of hikers on the Nisqually Glacier at Mount Rainier, where he often was. He was an expert alpinist. And they, they turned out to be three of the most eminent scientists in the United States. And um, one of them was George Bird Grinnell, who was uh, the founder of the Audubon Society. And he was an expert on Plains Indians. And so things started to gel for Curtis about, well, could I do this? And Grinnell invited him to Blackfeet Country the next year to supposedly photograph the last sun dance that would ever be performed. And amazing. Then it took off for Curtis. <laughs> and he did get backing from J.P. Morgan. And um, that's what formed the seed money for uh, his big uh, multi-year project called the North American Indian. And this is where he had all those albums. Yes, 20 books and 20 portfolios. And, uh, and his big project was completing all of these albums and then being able to sell them as a set, right? Correct. He had to make money, you know. Right. <laughs> and so he, uh, a lot of the endeavors that he did were uh, to help make money. Um, but he was very focused on saving the legacy of the American Indian because himself and other people of his time felt that they were a so-called vanishing race, that because of all of the genocide that had been perpetrated upon them, and by the time Curtis is working, he's the Native people are on reservations. It was felt that Native people were not going to survive. And and this is the one thing that we counteract in the exhibition because Native people, by the time Curtis visited them, had been surviving for hundreds of years with contact with white people. They were adapting. They were finding strategies to keep their cultures and their families together. So the notion that Native people couldn't be modern people but would always be primitive people is one of the things that the contemporary artist's challenge in this exhibition. Well, even early on in their art, their art kept changing over the years, adapting, Absolute, you, know, right. you know, new things, beads coming in. And, yes. And even before that, they said that Indian art was always changing, and I suppose all aspects of their life yes. was always changing. Right, but Curtis's vision and what he wanted to preserve was... Uh, them in the past, 
um, untouched by uh, outside uh, influences. And his, you have to see this exhibit because his photographs are absolutely, they, they, they give you a mood, uh, but they're so clear. And a lot of them are done in the brown tones. And you just right. don't see photographs like that these days. It, it, it is amazing photography. He was a master photographer. Um, but is very controversial because of the fact that he kind of gave the idea that Indians were in the past and not in the present. Forever in the past. Not able to evolve to the point that uh, white people could. And so forever in the past. And that, of course, is problematic and, and troublesome. And that's part of his legacy that was perpetuated in those images. And and those things still affect Native people today. Uh, and that's one of the things we're trying to dispel in the exhibition. And Native people want everyone to know that we are surviving and thriving, right? Yes, they are still there. They're still in their traditional places. Um, they are still... Um, keeping their communities together, producing art, practicing their culture. Yes. And so uh, everyone should see this exhibit because it really contrasts uh, one image of the Native Americans with the current people, which is a totally different thing, seeing them as individuals uh, and not as people's in the past. Right. So thank you so much, Barbara, for coming in and talking to us about uh, double exposure, which is really uh, an exhibit everyone should see. Uh, and when I was there, though, it was really, it was Sunday. I thought, oh, I'll probably be a few people here. Oh, no, it was very well attended. People are yeah. waking up to the fact that this is a great exhibit. But... Anyway, we're already running out of time, and now, uh, how do we go online to get more information about the exhibit? www.seattleartmuseum.org Okay, and be sure to see this. It's really a great exhibit, and be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. drive time for RB Northwest for news and views of the local art scene. I'm Pat Polly signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great, creative week.